Welcome to the More Than Hearers podcast, episode 51. I'm Orion. With me always is co-speaker man. <laughs> Are we there again? Guy. Are we speaker man again? Cause uh, have I used that one? It happened once before. Right. So there he is. It's Peter Five. Orion. Five bonus internets if someone can email us or on Facebook or Instagram and tell us which other episode Orion said Speaker Man on. My apologies. What do we do? You don't have to apologize. I'm not going to. Okay. My apologies are not here. You said my apologies. I just said that my... It's a sentence fragment, isn't it? My apologies is... (laughs) It's a sentence fragment. Did you know please? Uh... (laughs) Please is actually short for if you please. Please doesn't mean what we use it for. Like, may I have cookies, please, is actually, may I have cookies, if you please. It's like extra polite. That's the original phrasing. But then we just say please. Now I feel like we're in a Dickens novel. Probably. May I have some more, if you please. Uh, Now I want cookies. Uh, Same. We talk Bible and cookies on this (laughs) show. Uh, we are reachable if you want to email us delicious cookie recipes or mail us delicious cookies uh, at podcast at morethanhearers.com. We are on Facebook still and Instagram and with the facebook.com slash morethanhearers, Instagram with the at morethanhearers. You're looking at me like, am I too relevant with my... No, you're all... In. Okay. You're I mean, at some it. point, we're all going to ditch Facebook. It'll... Maybe. At some point. Okay. Right? At some point, it will be MySpace. Oh. Uh, what happens? Nothing. If you like this, give a share. Yeah, that's a big one. That's, that's, my, thing. that's my big one right now. I think that would be nice. <clears throat> if We would appreciate it if you yeah. shared the podcast with people. And... Something about how are people getting a hold of us? I'm. You can still get me at Orion plays music, but we're are we not doing that one. Are we not? Do, it's fine. Really the last that. time you were like nobody ever reaches nobody out to reaches, us on Twitter. Yeah. Forget it. And so you're like forget it. But I mean, it's still a thing in case somebody decides. Uh, you never know. Maybe Actually, someone, a current listener, shares with a new listener who's like, I love Twitter. There it is. Then Peter's uh, at mth underscore Peter. I'm at Orion Plays Music, because that's a thing I do. And leave reviews if you think you should. And then uh, you can donate, PayPal, email address, podcast at morethanheroes.com if you want to do that. Uh, I don't know. We're, I know we're in the book of Acts. Is it? It's three? Whew. <laughs> okay, it's three. Thanks for those fingers there, Peter. <laughs> Whew. A little, yeah. Sorry, a little muscle spasm there. I was trying not to... At least we're not in one. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Thank that's, you that. a, that's a visual joke that's really not fair for all the people who are listening and can't see what just happened. But Somehow it still plays for radio. It, do- <laughs> it does. Um, you know, it's funny. We were talking about Twitter, Orion, and how uh, like nobody ever reaches out to us on Twitter. And oh, I... have got a message. What? You've got a message from someone, from a listener. No. Oh. No, no. Man, where could you possibly be going with that other than that? I just, every now and again, uh, I find a gem. For some reason, I'll log into Twitter just to pass the time, I guess. I don't even know why I do it. It's involuntary muscle spasm, I guess. 
And uh, every now and again, I find a little gem. So are you sharing something right now? No, it, no, no. Just you're not going anywhere with this. No, it's, I did. It didn't even need to be said. Okay. Tell you what, you've got this. I'll step back. <laughs> it's fine. So Acts three, Peter <laughs> heals a lame beggar. Now, when you say lame beggar, is this guy just not cool? That's that's the modern vernacular, right? Yeah. I had. Um, uh, this is a great opportunity to please to pause and then defend my previous actions in life. <laughs> I was talking to my dad uh, years and years ago, and I described something that was uncool as lame. And he goes, you know what? I was always okay with using that uh, until I he was a, he's a he was a general contractor in construction. He said I, w- I went to a couple's house and. I was talking to the wife, and I described something as lame. And then her husband came out later in a wheelchair, and he said he felt terrible. And at the time, it was like it—it it kind of resonated. Like, okay, yeah, I guess you could, uh, you know, that that could be offensive to someone. But I gotta think if you are physically lame. That you're you're aware of the connotation that that lame, lame really just means like you're, not fully formed or capable, right? And like and admittedly, uh, one who cannot walk is lame in that sense of the word. They're not uncool, so right? They're not, I, you know. Anyway, I, I I still think it's okay to use the the word. I currently have well, my wife has, not I. I don't have. She currently has a lame horse who's lame. Okay, what's what's wrong? Well. It hurt itself. I don't know. But he did it in a super uncool way. Yeah, he's way uncool. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. I'll let you take the rest of this. <laughs> all right. Acts chapter 3. Uh, Acts chapter 2, of course, the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. Everything from here forward in Acts, you can assume the Holy Spirit's part of what's happening. We talked a little bit in Acts 1 about that weird uh, between the ascension and Pentecost moment where the apostles add another one to their number because they think that's the thing they've got to do. Uh, We never came to a conclusion of was it the right thing to do or not. More just an interesting observation that it's the only thing these guys do in their official capacity without the supervision of Jesus or the input of the Holy Spirit. But Holy Spirit's here now. So end of Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. Peter preaches the sermon. 3,000 people uh, get saved and a short description of the church, and then some indiscriminate amount of time passes. One day, verse 1 of Acts chapter 3, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. It's 3 in the afternoon. Hey, what? I thought we didn't have like times of prayer. I mean, by, by we, I don't know what I mean there, actually. Yeah, what do you mean? <laughs> I guess I, I was meaning Christians don't really have a, a, a single appointed time of prayer. They also don't have a temple. Uh, so this was for the the Jews. Jewish yeah. people. So super early in Christianity, we are many chapters, several at least, but at least ten. I'm I think it's fifteen or sixteen. Um, I'm not entirely sure though. Before the gospel comes to Gentiles, right now, with very few exceptions, the Samaritan woman at the well back in the Gospels, um, with very few exceptions, the gospel in Christianity is strictly a Jewish thing. And so 
all the disciples really know, or we're calling them apostles now that we're in Acts, all they really know is they're Jews who have this thing, Jesus. They're Jews for Jesus. Yeah, we're the, I mean... They're going to figure it out. Like, But this is super early in the story. So they still think they belong? Yeah, so... Like, they're like, yeah, that, hey, fellow... We're even going to see it into, like, the next few chapters where... That initially, this is early. This is before any of the missionary journeys. This is before the scattering of the church, before any of that. It is strictly focused in Jerusalem, at the temple. Like, that's where they're doing their preaching. And we're not even in a festival season anymore. Like, it's not even out-of-towners. It's just Jerusalem Jews. And we have, don't we have cases of Paul doing the same, like, later? A little, but not much. So, yeah, Paul will initially... In his first or second missionary journey, he, in, in most of his first for sure, he goes into a town, hits up the synagogue, and preaches about Jesus there. And uh, I think it's Ephesus where he finally goes, this is dumb. I'm done with this. And rents like a lecture hall in town and starts preaching there instead. Okay. And it's a shift in focus. It's going to come... A little more than, or about halfway, a little more than halfway through the book of Acts, where we're going to see this shift in focus and this um, revelation or this awareness that the gospel is for all people. Um, The Holy Spirit's going to fall hard on some uh, Gentiles, a Roman soldier and his family more specifically, and Peter's going to have an aha moment. He's going to come back to Jerusalem, share this with the brothers and sisters there, and they're going to be like, that makes so much sense now what Jesus said. And what the prophets said, it even is going to, and I'm, it's, it's hinted at in places in Acts, um, Paul covers it really well in Romans 4, where you start to realize that when God made his covenant with Abraham, and he says that all the nations on earth will be blessed because of you, how you could take that blessing and then go, well, the blessing's only for Jews. Doesn't make any sense. The blessing, God's blessing, God's promise was always for all people through Israel, which Jesus. is why Jesus was from Israel. I, was, I thought you oh, knew the sorry. answer. Sorry, no, I was uh, say you you answered my question. Okay, we good? Yes. Thanks. Okay, here we go. Uh, back to one day, uh, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth, unable to walk was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and then Peter said, Look at us. And so the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Many of us know where this story is going, but I want to talk about some background here that um, I've taught this a couple of times now, and each time I teach it, I kind of find it easier and easier to see into this moment. And I want you uh, listeners to see into this moment as well. They're coming to the temple, the time of prayer, when people in town would, who for however they could get away, could get away and come to the temple to pray. It was an appointed time, three in the afternoon, day in, day out. Set that setting aside move over to this guy, this lame beggar. He has um, his spot. Somebody's bringing him to this spot at the temple gate called Beautiful. It's a busy gate. 
Lots of people come by. He knows what time it is. It's time for prayer. This is his full-time gig. He bakes. And he's got the high traffic spot right at the gate, right at the time of prayer. This is his thing he does. He's so into it and he does it so routinely that when Peter and John walk by, he just asks them for money without even looking at them. It's so routine what he does. And that's why you see um, in verse 4, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. And then the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. So often in this scenario, and a lot of us see it on a regular basis on a freeway off-ramp or you're walking downtown or whatever, where the panhandlers are asking everybody. Every single person that comes by, they're asking for money, asking for money, asking for money. And they don't waste a lot of time on one guy unless there aren't a lot of people around because they've got to move on to the next one because not everybody's going to give. They're going to nail everybody because you never know who's going to put money in the bucket, right? Mm-hmm. You with me? So that's this guy. He's just everybody. Hey, got some change, got some change, got some change, got some change. And Peter and John stop and he hasn't even looked up at them. And so Peter goes, hey, look at us. And the guy's like, ooh, they want my attention, money coming. So he gives them their, he gives them his attention. The other thing that's here that somebody else pointed out once, and I just love, um, is this guy knows the place to get what he wants is church. He's been coming to the <laughs> temple. On. He's to, outside the church. He's at the temple. He's going to church people. They're temple people. Okay. They're people going to the temple. Fine. But what he's looking for isn't what he needs. He needs money. He's not even in the court. Okay, so like, what's the deal? He's at the gate. He's outside. The gate? The gate. Who's going in the gate? Uh, It'd be like begging outside the door of the church. Okay. Would it not? Maybe the driveway. Is that better? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's better. (laughs) Who's going in the driveway? Uh Uh-huh. Okay, Uh we're good. All right. It's a stretch, fine. Yeah, it's, I just don't see it. Like, I don't know, that's a fine. virtue that he was... <laughs> so the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. And the guy's like, oh. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Now, pause, don't read ahead. You read ahead, didn't no, you? No, I didn't. Okay. No, I didn't. This statement is very similar to other statements Jesus gave. When we were in Luke, we talked about... Uh, some of these miracles where he's like, hey, pick up your mat and get out of here. And the guy just picked up his mat and bailed. But what happens in the next verse is mind-boggling to me, and I have to share with you, my faith isn't this big. So Peter goes, uh, I have no money, no silver, no gold, but what I do have I'm going to give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And it says, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. There's other translations that say that more that violently. He yanked the guy off the ground. Yeah. Yeah. It like jerked him up in the air. He and it picked him up, basically. Yeah. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. I don't have this faith. Mm, amen. I can pray for you in your wheelchair. I am not going to yank you out of your wheelchair. Right. If the Holy Spirit was like, hey, Peter, grab that guy and yank him out of the wheelchair, I'd be like... You do it. Nah. (laughs) Nah. Pass. I mean, I might nudge him and see what happens. Like, steer him towards a bump or something. You can prompt him verbally. Do you feel like jumping up? Yeah. I feel like the Lord's saying, like... Would would you like to jump for the Lord right now? Yeah. Like, 
give it a shot. It's on you. How big is your fate? Like, seriously, though, am I right? Uh, absolutely. This is the one of the most mind-boggling experiences or encounters. If I think of, if I were to get serious right now, I think it speaks to the the connectedness. I mean, I'll say power. The power that the apostles had that we don't all. I don't know if we have. I mean, I just like I. I it's maybe it's a faith thing. It's the same spirit. Yeah, absolutely. I just think that miracles such as this were, they were under, there was explicit reasons why these guys were able to do this stuff and you or I may not be able to do that, these things. And I, I struggle with that because I know that God's still capable. Here's the other thing I struggle with is if this had been a story about Jesus, I wouldn't have had any pause. Right. Jesus reached down, grabbed by the hand, and pulled him up. Naturally. Fine. Fine. If yeah. Jesus was even standing there with him, it was like, Peter, grab that guy by the hand and yank him up. Fine. No, but he did this to get out of paying him money. I'm just kidding. Well, <laughs> there's a lot of things I'd, I'd do to get out of giving somebody money, but uh, no. I, no <laughs> that, that took a weird turn. I'm sorry. This is such an interesting thing for me because of how bold it is. And I've taught on this before, and every time I'm like, nobody go home and start yanking people out of wheelchairs. But am I holding back the spirit in doing that, in saying that? Yeah, maybe don't don't throw that in. Okay. Uh, we'll edit that out later. <laughs> Probably not. Um, he jumped to his feet and began to walk. Uh, that's verse um, 8. Uh, then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, because he's causing a scene. He's walked into the temple courts, and it's not like he just walked in and people are like, wait, double take? Like, he's jumping around and praising God. Like, he's he's gone full tilt. Why do you have a problem? I'd love to know what he was vocalizing. Yeah. Like... There's just something about, I just feel like it's... We've had some discussions lately about vocalizations of praise to God. Sure. And, and you're you're in this moment. So. I want to I want to be able to do it like, you know, in a natural... I want to, I guess it doesn't really matter. If you're really praising God and then you're just like shouting like in your English language, thank you, God, or I praise you. I mean, that's kind of a weird phrase, I praise you. Like we use it in church settings, but it's just like it doesn't really flow naturally. But I got I to think there was some... Like we say hallelujah. I love the word hallelujah because it's foreign enough to, you know, it's like doesn't sound like awkwardly me trying to make God to be a Western. Right. You know. Sure. <laughs> you know my English. I don't know. It's I'm weird that way. But I'd just love to know what he was saying. Translated, I guess. I can walk. Might be one. But is that, I mean, that's just. Praise God I can walk? Sure. God gave me the power to walk? I'd, love, I'd just love to know. Yeah, me too. It's, yeah. it's so cool. Um, all the people saw him walking and praising God. Verse 10. They recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. That's cool. While the man held on to Peter and John... All the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. You go, well, where's that? I don't know. Uh, 
I did want to just note, and we talked about it in the beginning of Acts, and we talked about it in Luke. One of the things that's so great about the Luke-Acts combo is that Luke repeatedly uses geographic uh, specific places because the audience at the time he was writing to would have fully understood or had reference. It would have been like, um, see, the problem is, is our listeners are scattered all, scattered all over the world, so I don't have a good uh, reference, but um, they might be scattered all over the county. But <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it's, it's almost to that effect of uh, they came running to them in a place called the Eiffel Tower came running to them in a place called the Statue of Liberty. Like, it would be a place that people had an awareness of. It's not relevant to the story other than this is one of those things that gives authenticity to Luke's writings. There, There is um, Solomon's Colonnade. Or Colonnade? Maybe. Solomon's Porch, it's, yes. it's often called, is a portion of the temple. It's like a location at the, the temple, yeah. but... Because People it, would have had a reference for it. Yeah, and you can look online to see what that more specifically was. Oh, yeah, there you go. Google that. Do that. Okay, there you go. Uh, when Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Come on, say it. This is what you and I were just talking about. I know. Uh, so I guess you're in, you're in the clear. Think so? <laughs> Peter was Peter and I were talking. And oh, don't Pe- put my mess out there. I mean, Peter was saying. <laughs> Peter was saying he when when people say I love the excitement you bring to you know when you read the when you read the scriptures the excitement you have for it and he said I and I wonder why don't you have the same excitement and here you have this is Bible I think you're justified here. Peter goes, why does this surprise you? Yeah. Uh, I don't know because <laughs> that guy's never walked before. This is surprising. Uh, why do you stare at us? As if by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk. And we're going to see other glimpses of Peter's humility as we go on through Acts. And I'm blown away by it. And I'll talk about it almost every time. Because in our day and age, even when someone um, has something spiritually, even miraculous, happen through them, they build a ministry to following off of it. Typically. Somebody writes the book that impacts millions. They build a ministry and a following off of it. And Peter goes, why are you looking at me like we did this by our own power? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk? Remember, he's in the temple where there are Jews. Time to preach. So the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, everybody there, that's their God. Right? Yep. That's God. That's Yahweh. That's the, the one. That's his. That's like the name people use for him. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. This gets worse. Peter's not a very good preacher. <laughs> you handed him over to be killed. Like He's not winning followers here mm. at all. Uh, you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy, capital H, and Righteous One, capital R, capital O, and asked that a murderer, Barabbas, be released to you. Why you got a problem? Sick burn. Yeah. No, he's just rubbing the salt in the wound. This is what I mean by Peter's a terrible preacher. Yeah. This is not how you win converts. And, but true. No, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying this isn't how you... Warm up an audience. Right. You tell a clever anecdote. 
a story about your children that's relatable and funny. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, that's what you do. And instead, he like opens up with... He eviscerates them. He's like, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And people are like, hey. that's my God. Uh, he exalted Jesus, whom you killed. And they're like, well, Pilate killed him. Fine. You disowned him before Pilate. <laughs> to the point of Pilate was going to let him go. And you're like, no, no, murderer, please, instead. That Jesus. That's yeah. the one God elevated that you killed. You killed, look at this, it gets worse. Verse 15. You killed the author Gosh. of life. <sighs> Remember John chapter 1, which we haven't covered on the podcast. But in the beginning was the Word, mm -hmm. and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he basically says that all things were created through Christ. Yeah. He goes, you killed the author of life. You took the thing that created life and made it not alive. I, I see that. I absolutely agree. I, I think there's even more a, a narrower and direct applicable use of that Hit phrase it. in that, that Jesus is... Because if he's the firstborn of from the dead, right? Yeah. So he, be, he because Jesus conquered death, he imparted life to us. So spiritual life—that's that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, he authored all life in the universe, but then he authored our rebirth, eternal life, our yeah. eternal life in in, in, in the Holy Spirit. Uh, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And Peter goes, we, me and him and Peter, him and John, him and Peter, him and John are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus's name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can all see. And, and while that sounds like super encouraging, it's really just more of the same burn. Mm -hmm. The guy you killed, uh, the guy you killed over the murderer made this guy walk. Yeah, you made a mistake. Yeah. By <laughs> now, fellow Israelites, I love this. See, this is where I should have started. I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. The times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, Moses, like Moses is the guy. The Moses. The Moses. Okay. Uh, one Moses. Uh, the Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. It's Deuteronomy 18, a uh, little bit of verse 15, a little bit of verse 18, some of 19. Indeed, beginning with Samuel... All the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days, and you are heirs of the prophets and of, and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, this is what we were talking about earlier, through your offspring, all peoples on earth 
will be blessed. And it's funny because Peter says that, but he still hasn't even figured out what it means. Sure. We're going to see it in several chapters later. But I love that he speaks it, inspired by the Holy Spirit, without even understanding the magnitude of what he's spoken. It's a quote from Genesis 22 and 26. The covenant to Abraham occurs in like three or four different places in Genesis. When God raised up his servant, this is verse 26, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. A couple of things, and we're actually done with the chapter here. But um, this idea in verse 25, you're heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. This concept of heir, of being an heir, we talked about heirdom, I believe, yes. in, back in Romans. It, it's, a, it's a legal concept in Roman society. Even though this is Jerusalem and it's Israel, it's under Roman rule. And there were rules as far as what one person could inherit and what they could not based on whether or not they were an heir. And so when he says you're heirs of the prophets, like everything the prophets put together and gathered together was given to you. It was for you. And all of the prophets have been pointing to Jesus. Everything that has ever been said or done before this moment, the moment Peter's talking, has led up to your salvation right here and now. We aren't going to get to see the culmination of this discussion until the next chapter. And honestly, it even rolls a little bit, I think, if I'm not mistaken, into um, uh, the following chapter a little bit, but not much. Mostly it resolves in four. But you need to know that, like, I'm like, that's such a terrible thing to say because it sounds so unprofessional, but whatever. I'm taken with, in Acts 2, Acts 3, and even in Acts 4, Peter's preaching. Because it's not, uh, and I've talked about this before, but it's not our modern methodology. And mind you, it's not a modern audience he's preaching to. But his way of just hitting with the truth going, you don't have to like it. You don't have to like that this is what you did. You don't have to like that this is who you are, but you better come to terms with it and understand what it's going to take to be different. Well, we, would, we would take his teaching style, his preaching style, and say, uh, who are you to judge? Well, yeah, especially in our well, that, modern... That's what our, our culture is all about, is yeah. that putting up that... Uh, hey, Jesus said, "Don't judge." You know, like I, 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 people outside the church are the ones who always seem to like. That's they like the only Jesus thing they've ever, ever heard of Jesus ever yeah. saying was, "Don't judge." And so yeah. when they feel that uh, you're calling them out on any, and it's not for the church to judge the world anyway. That's right. That's in there, but um, but it's just that's a funny thing that yeah. Even within church circles here, we we'd hear that preaching and. Be like, hey, you know, that sounds pretty judgy. That's pretty judgmental there, uh, but right, but. But that's like, hey, hit him, hit him with the truth. And that's just it. Here, here's the thing I'm trying to learn to come to terms with as a Bible teacher and as a preacher is um, it's not mine to own whether truth offends you or not. I don't have to be a jerk about it and how I present truth to you. But if I present truth to you and you're offended by it, that's not my fault. My job, our job in this podcast, our job as believers is to be ministers and proclaimers of truth.